You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I'm your host, Kristen Maxwell. And in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to transform your own life. Today, I am looking forward to the opportunity to talk to to Leonard Perlmutter about the power of your conscience and how you can use your conscience to enhance your life. And I think we are in for a treat today. Um, Leonard Perlmutter is the internationally renowned meditation teacher, also known as Ram Lev, who is the founder and director of the American Meditation Institute in New York. He's the author of the best-selling The Heart and Science of Yoga, as well as a newly released book, Your Conscience, The Key to Unlock, uh, I can speak, Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. He's also the originator of National Conscience Month. So Leonard, welcome to your superpowered mind. That's very nice. Thank you very much for the invitation. Yes, this is, uh, you have such an interesting background um, and are involved in so many things that are, I think, really important for us all to, uh, to, to know more about. So I'm going to start first with my original question, which is what superpower did you discover as the result of mastering your mind? Well, I guess the superpower is a divine power that I've discovered. And I've known about it for a long time. I've known that I've had it, but I didn't understand it, as probably many or most of us. And it's our conscience. So when I found out that the conscience, one of the four functions of the mind, is the only function that can discriminate, determine, judge, and decide. It was a game changer for me because it meant that every single choice that I have ever made and every single choice that I will ever make has been and will be made by my conscience. The other functions of the mind are relegated to advisors or counselors, but it is the conscience that tells us what's to be done and what's not to be done. Mm -hmm. And that was very empowering. And I wanted to know more about how I could enhance that capacity and what kind of capacity the conscience could have to allow me, enable me to fulfill the purpose of my life without the pain, misery, and bondage that I had experienced in the past. Yes. So I'm making lots of notes. So when you talk about the conscience, typically, you know, I think just without having looked it up, the idea is the conscience is this idea of what is right 
and what is wrong. How do you define conscience as you, this, as this power that you have? Or we all have? Well, I think that uh, before I can uh, uh, address that issue, uh, I, I, I remember immediately uh, uh, the teaching of Shakespeare. There's nothing either good or bad, right or wrong. Only thinking makes it so. Mm. And thinking really is overrated and has gotten into a, get a, gotten us into a lot of trouble and a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. So the conscience I look at as that function of the mind that can tell us what's to be done and what's not to be done, what's to be spoken and what's not to be spoken, what's to be thought and what's not to be thought. Every moment of every day. Okay. I want to go deeper into this, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we are going to take a quick break before we go into the meat of this. Can you let people know where they can find you and your work and your center and your books and everything? Well, we have two websites, one for the book, which is yourconscience.org yourconscience.org. And the second website is from the American Meditation Institute, which I founded in 1996. And that website has listings of classes that I teach and other very practical advice for people. And that website is AmericanMeditation.org, American Meditation. .org. That's great. I will also put the links in the show notes. I always find that very helpful when yeah. I'm looking when I'm looking people up. Sure. So um, we're going to be going to a break. Um, before we do, we just want to remind also if those of you who are interested in figuring out what we do here at Superpower Experts, you can also check us out at superpowerexperts.com. But hang out and we'll be right back. The Superpower Experience goes way beyond the podcast. Listeners can connect with hosts and one another inside the Superpower Universe Plus membership. Members get access to high vibe connections, Superpower Masterclasses, and much, much more. Don't wait another moment to step into your superpowers. Go to superpowerexperts.com and sign up today. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kristen Maxwell, and I'm talking to Leonard Perlmutter about the power of your conscience. And I guess where I want to start in going into this idea of conscience, and I especially love how you talked about it, how you can use your conscience to enhance your capacity to fulfill your purpose. But you had mentioned earlier that there were four functions to the mind. Or, so what are those four functions and how are they distinguished from conscience? Well, that's correct. There are four functions of the mind. Before I mention them and, and illustrate what they do, it's critically important that everybody understand that the mind is our most powerful instrument in that the physical body 
can do absolutely nothing unless and until there is a movement in the mind. So just try to raise your hand over your head, for example, without entertaining a thought. It is virtually impossible. You might not be consciously aware of the thought, but the thought bubbles up from the mind and animates the body. So that really does direct our attention to something that's critically important for all of us, the power of our mind and the power of our thoughts. And yet every thought is only a suggestion. It's not an imperial command. So there are four functions of the mind. First, I'll talk about ego. Ego appears to be hardwired to the reptilian brain, which means what? Like the reptilian brain, the ego is heavily invested in self-preservation. And because of that investment it has in, in not wanting to die, mm -hmm. it is also plagued by the intense fear of annihilation. It wants to maintain the form. And it's interesting because every form that has materialized in the universe has an ego. You know, I'm the bubble. I'm the bubble. I'm the bubble. Mm -hmm. Now, in order to serve self-preservation and avoid annihilation, the ego makes its presence known in the midst of every single relationship. And in the midst of every single relationship, the ego cuts that relationship in half and says, over here, this portion is very pleasant. I like it. I call this good. And I want to reprise it. But over here, this portion of this relationship, this is unpleasant. I don't like it. I call this bad, and I want to eliminate it. So what the ego does, it divides everything up into likes and dislikes, mm -hmm. pleasant and unpleasant. But our limited experience on this planet has already taught us that that which is pleasant is not always good for us, and that which is unpleasant is not always bad for us. So... If I allow the ego to make all these decisions for me, some of them will be correct, no doubt. I need a healthy ego right now to talk to everybody who is listening. I need an ego to drive my automobile or my truck. But the ego only has a narrow perspective, and it's often wrong. But it's never in doubt. <laughs> so, yeah. so what happens is, by listening continuously and believing in the ego's color commentary of the world, I develop likes and dislikes that creates a very inflexible mind. And that inflexible mind eventually will create an inflexible body, inflexible organs that will bring about pain and disease. That's the ego. Second is the senses. Senses are interesting because the mind uses the organs of sense, you know, the eyes, the nostrils, the mouth, the ears, the hands, the feet, 
to extrude and project our creative energy into the world, to look, to smell, to taste, to listen, and to touch in a desperate search to find something in the world, some object, some relationship that will bring me happiness, bring me security, bring me health. The challenge for us is, in that process, the senses uh, does not have any discrimination. And so it can't really discriminate between the appearance of pleasure and the reality of the pain that will uh, present itself at some point. Mm. So... What happens? The senses are constantly, and I would say in an addictive way today, frantically looking for happiness and security in the world. And many of the rainbows that it it follows and chases do not have a pot of gold at the end. What does that mean to us on a practical level? We waste a lot of creative energy. We waste a lot of creative energy. And it's not too different than squeezing a toothpaste in the morning after breakfast to brush our teeth. Mm -hmm. We can squeeze the tube and out comes the toothpaste, but it's virtually impossible to put the toothpaste back into the tube. Mm -hmm. Similarly, once the eyes and the nostrils and the mouth and the ears and the hands and the feet spend our creative energy in search for happiness and security and health, we can't retrieve that creative energy. And yet we need a tremendous amount of creative energy to fulfill the purpose of our lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the senses. Again, similar to the ego, only a limited perspective, often wrong, but never in doubt. Mm -hmm. Third function of the mind, of course, is the unconscious. We're aware of that. That's sort of our hard drive. Everything that we deem essential to self-preservation is on this hard drive, is in our unconscious mind. You know, our memories, some are pleasant, some are not pleasant. Our imaginations, what if this should happen? What if that should happen? What if neither happens? Mm -hmm. So the unconscious mind also can be very helpful. But a lot of it A lot of the concepts that we have stored in the unconscious mind that we have picked up throughout our lives from mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, our siblings, the culture, celebrities, politicians, friends at school, some of them are faulty and yet they're still on the hard drive. And when I use them, they cause me pain. So the ego senses an unconscious mind can be helpful, but they can also be the cause of pain because their panoramic view is very limited. Mm -hmm. And all three of them can only advise. They cannot decide. And because they cannot decide, they're loud, they're pushy, they're insistent. They create a lot of noise in the mind. The fourth function of the mind is the conscience. 
The conscience is the only function of the mind that can decide, that can discriminate, that can judge what's to be done and what's not to be done. And it will decide in one of two ways. The best way for you and me is to learn how to optimize that conscience in a way that its mirror-like functionality, because the conscience acts as a mirror, and the conscience has the capacity through this mirror to reflect perfect wisdom from the super-conscious portion of the mind. Now, when I heard that, I thought maybe it was poetry or, or a metaphor, but no. It turns out that the super-conscious portion of the mind is beyond the conscious portion, it's beyond the unconscious portion of the mind, and it's the same portion of the mind, the same super-conscious portion of the mind, where Albert Einstein saw mathematical equations, where Paul McCartney hears beautiful melodies, doesn't necessarily mean that if we can access superconscious wisdom that we're going to become songwriters or, <laughs> or mathematicians. But what it does mean is if we can turn the noise down in our mind of the ego senses and unconscious mind, in that quietude, the conscience does have the capacity to reflect superconscious wisdom that can provide us the perfect thought to think, word to speak, and action to take that will lead us for our highest and greatest good and positively impact every single unique relationship that each of us has. But if the noise of the ego senses and unconscious mind is too unruly, creates a lot of noise. The conscience cannot hear the signal from the superconscious portion of the mind at the center of consciousness. And in that case, when the ego senses and unconscious mind are not coordinated and unruly and insistent in serving their limited perspectives, the conscience makes a choice of what's to be done and what's not to be done, but it only rubber stamps the loudest, pushiest voice that it can hear. So it only considers the advice of the ego, senses, and unconscious mind. And too often, that advice is faulty and we experience pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sorry. I'm lulled by your voice. <laughs> well, as long as, as long as he's making sense. Yeah, you're totally, completely making sense. Um, so I guess the one part that I still, I want to understand a little bit more is what did you, with the mirror-like functionality, what do you mean? How is it a mirror for us? <laughs> Well, it's, you know, it's like, for example, take a look at a television uh, and, and say you know, your husband wants to watch a baseball game. Now, 
the the baseball stadium and the baseball players are not inside the television, that signal comes from someplace else and it's being received by the television and reflected uh, into your optic nerve. Mm -hmm. And your mind puts the the pixels together uh, as, as a baseball game on TV. So the conscience acts as a mirror and it can tune in to this intuitive library of wisdom at the center of consciousness and can reflect it as thoughts into our conscious mind. Mm. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Got it. But when the ego senses an unconscious mind are so unruly, the conscience will merely just rubber stamp their limited, often faulty advice. So my job and your job, and everyone who is listening, your job is to experiment with parenting your ego, senses, and unconscious mind to try to let the conscience be their guide. And for that experiment process, you and I have to play the role of the parent to provide experiments that are relatively easy, but which will bring a pleasant experience so that the ego senses and unconscious mind will all experience a pleasure of a change of habit that does not annihilate the ego senses and unconscious mind. Hmm. So what kind of experiment is that? Because of course the where where I go is okay, yeah, I told the description of the ego and the senses and the unconscious mind. Totally get it. And I think a lot of us are very aware of um that we have these voices and these urges and these mm-hmm. underlying beliefs and all of that. And we want to get them to be, to quiet down. Or we want to get our con- our super, con- our conscience louder. How do we experiment with that? Well, you can't get the signal from the super conscious mind any louder. It's uh. the same uh, classical problem that every engineer has in trying to hear this very low decibel signal through all this noise. So even though you cannot accentuate the signal, you can reduce the noise. That's our job, is to reduce the noise so the conscience can reflect perfect wisdom from the superconscious portion of the mind. And so to do that, I'd like to explain a little scenario, a little experiment, if you will, that, that I do all the time. And by this time, it's become a global skill because we all know that as human beings, we create habits and we're good at it. So when I was 15, when you were 15 and you were learning how to drive, it was a lot more stressful than it is today. How do you turn the wheel to the left? How do you turn it to the right? How much gas do I give uh, and pressure to the to the gas pedal? Or... How can I stop without jerking the automobile? 
That's a challenge when we're 15 or 16, but when now when we want to drive, you know, there's just driving. We have a global skill. So these experiments, they're experiments now. I guess they will always be experiments, but we will develop a a global skill that creates a new way of being. Yes. So for example, uh, let's say we just finished dinner. And the question before the mind is, should we brush our teeth or should we not brush our teeth? So now I'm playing the moderator or the parent here. So what I do is I invite the ego, the senses, the unconscious mind, and the conscience to a conversation around our kitchen table. And we all sit around the kitchen table. And I moderate as the parent. And I say, ego, what is your position on whether or not we're going to brush our teeth? And the ego might say something like, gee, that's really unpleasant. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I'm against it. I vote no. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for your perspective. Senses, what is your perspective? What, what is, would you like to say? And so the senses might say something to the effect, well, you know, I really like to be truthful with you. Uh, and in being truthful, I have to say that that dinner was delicious, but not as delicious as the dessert. Why? Because we had apple pie, and that's my favorite. I love apple pie. So as far as this brushing the teeth, I vote no because I vote yes for a second slice of apple pie. <laughs> well, thank you, census. That's very nice. Thank you very much. Now, unconscious mind, what is your position? What would you like to share? Well, I'm with the other two. I, I, I don't like the idea. It, 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 uh, it's against my habit. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. Now, I'd like all three of you, ego, senses, and unconscious mind, to sit quietly because now I'm going to call on the conscience. And in this quietude, the conscience is going to be able to reflect superconscious wisdom from the superconscious portion of the mind and then share what it has discovered. Conscience, would you please make a little presentation? And the conscience says, sure. And what does the conscience say? Conscience says something like, well, everybody, we know that this life that we're all living is not really a sprint. It's more like a marathon. And for a marathon, we call life, we need healthy, strong teeth. We need healthy, strong gums. We need a healthy, strong immune system. And if we can just take a time out for just a couple of minutes, go into the bathroom, brush the teeth, and then come back, we, we will have an experience that we can all report on. So then my role as the parent encourages everybody to walk with me into the bathroom, take a time out for two minutes and brush the teeth. We all do that. We come back to the kitchen table and I ask for summaries from each of the four functions of the mind. Ego. Ego says something like, you know, I was surprised. 
I don't like change, because change can mean death. But it really wasn't so bad. And I didn't die. I'm still here. And it wasn't so bad. Thank you very much, Ego. And senses? What did you experience? What would you like to share? Well, I was surprised too, because I'm not crazy about brushing the teeth. But after we brushed the teeth and the tongue was gliding over my front teeth, I didn't feel that mossy feeling on my teeth that I really despise. So that was, that was pretty pleasant. I like that. Thank you. Okay, thank you, senses. And unconscious mind? What do you, what do you say? Well, well, wasn't so bad. Wasn't so bad. Wasn't so bad. <laughs> okay, so what has just happened? We have all done a small, seemingly insignificant little experiment that has really not too much to do with all that stress and responsibility that we have in life, that we carry with us all the time. But there really is a big change that has happened in the mind. I have been able to provide the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind a pleasant experience. And now, just through that one experience, they know that a change in habit does not necessarily have to equate with annihilation mm -hmm. and death. It can mean growth. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also, they trust me more because I have provided them a fairly nice little pleasant experience. And they trust the conscience a little bit more. So now I have a beachhead as the parent. I have a beachhead. And it's up to me to do, present other little experiments that are relatively easy and non-threatening, where the ego senses and unconscious mind can begin to expand their trust in me and the conscience. And occasionally there will be a, a relationship that we try to coordinate the functions through, where there's a little bit of an emotion involved, a, a little worry, a little fear, a, a little judgment, a little desire. That's not healthy for us all, holistically speaking. Mm -hmm. And yet now we're, we're participating in a scientific study, if you will. We're all experimenting with change. Mm -hmm. and they're willing to, to follow my lead. That's my experience. And increasingly, they feel better physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, just like I do, their parent. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm um, thinking of a couple things happening in my life. I dropped a, one of my daughters off of college not that long ago, and I just this week helped my parents move out of their house of 48 years. Mm -hmm. um, and those are both yes. very big transitions. Yes, And the discussion we've been having, this is a little bit like it, is I am saying to them, 
change is hard. Transition in and of itself is hard. Yes. And just because it's hard and you're sad doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do, <laughs> right? This might actually yeah. end up being exactly the right thing. Because I but, think there's but a- there's pushback, right? There's pushback on both counts because the the ego and senses and the and the unconscious mind equates such death excuse me, ex- uh, equates such an experience, such a change as a death. I, I had the same experience with my mom, 50 years in the same house, and she could no longer live there alone. And what was so painful and depressing to her was it was the end of reality as she knew it. And yep. she could not imagine another way of being. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you have to really be compassionate for that limitation. We've never been trained to train the mind. The only thing that we have been trained to do is to memorize things and recite them so that we could get a diploma and get a job. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right, right. Those are, it's those so are limited. Things. It's so limited. And we're still we're still handicapped by the limited perspectives, often faulty, of the ego, senses, and unconscious mind, which really is hijacking the bus. Yeah, I can see that. And that I, I think that looking at this is, okay, it's a fear of annihilation, right? Yes. If you do things differently, we're somehow not going to be there any longer <laughs> you know well, it's right. going to be gone yeah and, and one of the things that i find so interesting in working with people often is they know so much what they don't want yes. which is the you know the change and the I don't want it to be like this i don't like this and yet they have no picture in their head for what it is that they do want and so it's often and again, I'm curious how this fits in with the conscience. It's almost opening your mind up and starting to create visions of a different way of being that is pleasant instead of just an away from, I don't want this. Inside the, inside the matrix of our lives, the only messages we hear primarily are from the ego senses and unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's no messaging coming from outside the matrix, from the center of consciousness, from outside this mind-body-sense complex. But the conscience has that capacity to go outside the mind-body-sense complex, outside this current matrix, to the center of consciousness, and bring that superconscious wisdom into the matrix, yeah. into the conscious mind, for the sake of an experiment. Very cool. It's very cool. And it's so practical. And it yes. works. <laughs> yeah. I can see, it, you know, it's going to take a while at first when you're making a decision. <laughs> it's a journey. It's a journey. That's why, that's why, Kristen, we don't want to take on too much too soon. If we never 
if we never uh, worked out and 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 built muscles, the last thing we would want to do in the afternoon of life is to go to the gym and and start uh, lifting a hundred or two hundred pounds. It would hurt us. But if we had the desire and the need, we would start with a few pounds. After a couple of weeks, we'd add a couple of more pounds. And then after a couple of weeks, a couple of more pounds. And in the process, two things are happening. I'm, first of all, I'm not hurting myself. And second, I'm building muscles. It's the same process. We have to learn to love ourselves, not to take on too much too soon. Mm. The yeah. ego wants us to take on too much too soon because the ego is looking for a failure. It, it's playing a trump card. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know, take on too much. You want to you want to learn how to meditate? Well, you're only going to be successful if you can meditate for an hour. <laughs> right. The ego says, well, that's obviously not true. Start with 60 seconds. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, and that's interesting to head to this because the you know, in terms of building habits, they now talk about start with something that where it's impossible to fail. Mm-hmm, and I can right. see how this plays in because you're right. You discover, oh, I can meditate for 60 seconds. That's right. And your brain starts going, oh, I can do this. Yes. It's not something I need to fight against and say. Mm-hmm. So that I see how that fits into that. Huh. Well, very interesting. Can you remind people where they can find you and your book and all of this? Well, the book has its own website yourconscience.org, yourconscience.org, tells a little bit about me, Leonard, and a lot about the book and where you can buy it. Of course, everybody knows you can get it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all fine booksellers nationwide. Uh, And the second website is for the American Meditation Institute that I founded in 1996. That's where I teach, and there are uh, listings for classes. And actually, we have a free, a free guided meditation and philosophical conversation, just like we're having today, every Sunday morning from 9.30 to 11 Eastern Time. And you get a recording the very next day that you can keep and listen to again. So that website is AmericanMeditation.org, AmericanMeditation.org. Great. Well, thank you, Leonard. I have enjoyed um, very much listening to you and, and this perspective. It really makes, it makes sense <laughs> can I just in my say, mind. <laughs> can I just say one last thing? Yes, please. And that is and I mean this sincerely, I don't want anybody to believe a word I have said today. I want you to be a doubting Thomas. I want you to be a good scientist. If, however, you're intrigued and you're interested, I would encourage you 100% to experiment within the constellation of your own lives with all these relationships that you have to coordinate the ego senses and unconscious mind to support the superconscious wisdom of the conscience and just see what happens in your life.
Yeah. It's a, a fun framework to think about some of the big decisions around. Yes. So, yeah. I can that would be fun. Well, thank you, Leonard. This has been great. Thank you very much. Thank you. And listeners, also, thank you for being here. And until next time, go out and remember that you do hold the power to transform your world. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 